Thank you. You may be seated. As set of ushers come forward to receive their offering, receive our offering, and as you do so, let me just give you a couple of things. Uh, Justified again, they're pre-selling all their CDs and tapes, and uh, they're working on that project now, and that'll be getting to us soon. So if you're interested in pre-buying them, you can do that. Then a special request given to us for a six-year-old child that was hit by a truck today is in uh, Children's Hospital, and uh, we want to be praying for them. I think it's related to Glenda. Uh, Ridley some way and so let's remember this special request tonight and pray for them let's pray father bless the offering continue to open our hearts to what you're doing in this service in Jesus name amen
Lord's expecting me And this one thing I know My Savior pardoned me And now I onward go I know he'll take me through I'm traveling to that shore And I can't feel at home In this world anymore
stand tonight when we all get to heaven you know that old song we'll put the words up for you choir's going to come down that's your opportunity to get out here and shake hands make everyone welcome tonight don't wait till we get to heaven do it tonight Thank you. 
Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. I'll say I love the Lord, and I'm glad to be in church tonight. And You know, it's good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. Amen. I'm going to try a new song. It's called I'm Doing This For You. And uh, the song talks about um, when Jesus was up on the cross and what he must have been saying to the people who were crucifying him and mocking him and everything you now just pray listen to the words of the song i'm doing this for you song's too good to let him win, so we're just going to try it again. I stood there at 
dreams he hadn't done. No one else believed him, but I just knew he was the one. I slid back into the crowd, trying to go unseen. But when Pilate cried out, beat him, he pointed straight to me. My friends say y'all cheered me as I took the whip in hand, placing stripes upon the back of this guiltless man. The way he turned and looked at me, from my mind I can't erase, but I'll never forget the look on his face. He said, I'm doing this for you, and I will still love you when you're through. I'm doing this for you, though it took me by surprise when I saw love in his eyes. He said, I'm doing this I am Tom Mount Calvary with hammer and nail. It became my duty to crucify this man. I heard my friends gambling for his robe at my side, but I couldn't turn away as he looked into my eyes. Father, forgive them. I heard him cry aloud. Behold the King of kings, someone marked from the crowd. Then the ground shook and the thunder rolled as he gave up the ghost. But until the day I die, the thing that I'll remember most, he said, I'm doing this for you, and I will still love you when you're Took me by surprise when I saw love in his eyes. He said, I'm doing this for you. Oh, the sacrifice that day at Calvary was a father's perfect plan to set me free. I'm doing this for 
by surprise when I saw love in his eyes. He said, I'm doing this for you. Though it took me by surprise when I saw love in his eyes, I'm doing Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad he died for you? Amen. Won't you take your Bibles and look at one verse of Scripture, Matthew 16 and verse 18. Book of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. While you're finding your place, let me say, Chantel, it's good to have you back in the services. I was going to mention this morning she's here and missed it in all of my notes. She had surgery, had her throat cut, but she's back in the services tonight, and we're glad to see her back. Cindy, Tim, good to see you sitting over there. Good to have you in the services. And for all of those that are visiting, we are certainly thrilled about you being here. And I'm glad most of all the Lord's here, aren't you? What a blessing. I don't know about you, but uh, I'd rather go to church and the Lord in church than anything in this world. I don't understand folks in a hurry to get out of here on Sunday morning, in a hurry to get out of here on Sunday night. Listen, I just soon get in here and... Just camp here. Just stay here. Amen. And that's what we're going to do. I can't wait till we get to heaven. We're just going to have one big church service. It's going to last a million years, and we're not going to worry about getting out at 12 after a million years. We're not going to do that. Looking forward to that. Matthew 16, I want you to stand as we honor the reading of his word. As you know, for several weeks now, we've been talking about different things, uh, sharing the vision. Last Sunday night, we put before you several things and helped you to understand where we have been praying about, what we have been praying about, and where we are going. I want to take one more Sunday night just to share a few things with you tonight about going forward, but what will it take? And then I want to get back into my normal way of preaching on Sunday nights and different things. But I felt like it's just difficult for me to share everything just like an announcement time to help you to understand everything takes a little longer sometimes to explain things, and so that's why I've been doing what I've been doing for these Sunday nights, and I want to help you to understand tonight a little bit more what the process is going to be for us, how we're going to do it, and what it is going to take. So I know there are many questions that some of you may have, though I appreciate everybody's enthusiasm about what's going on. Everybody's excited about what is happening, and I don't know of anybody that's not excited, and if you're not excited, then all of us all in favor uh, that we not know about it, raise your right hand. Say amen right there. So we don't want to know about it if you're not excited. But uh, I am excited, and, and I appreciate all the good things I'm hearing from you and what you're saying about things. But I want you to help, help you tonight to understand a little bit better what the process is going to be for us, what we are doing. We want you to know and entrust our leadership and uh, what we're doing and how we're going to be doing it, that it's going to be good for you. Matthew chapter 16, there's one verse of Scripture that I want you to look at, and that's verse 18. I'll draw some thoughts from it to pave the way for what I want to share with you. Matthew 16, 18, 
The scripture said, Jesus said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And notice this next statement. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now let me just point out something here in that statement there. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. For years, the picture that came to my mind was a fort. Here's the church inside the fort. And here is hell marching against the church. But the church withstands uh, the attacks of the devil. But that's the wrong image there. That puts the church on the defensive. What Jesus is talking about is the church on the offense. And it's the church marching against hell, and hell shall not be able to stop the mighty church of Jesus Christ. So it's the church going forward. But here's a statement. Jesus said, I will build my church. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And then tonight we'll share with you some simple things and just to help you to understand what is going on. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. And we thank you, Lord, for the way you've been blessing. And we thank you, Lord, right in the midst of these summer months that we have seen the hand of God and experienced the blessing of God Lord, we thank you so much for what you are doing. We could never thank you enough. But, Father, we come to you giving you all the praise and giving you all the glory, for you alone deserve that glory, for you alone have done what has been done. And, Father, you deserve the glory even in advance for what will happen in the future. And so, Father, tonight, in Jesus' name, we give you glory for the future. And, Father, we know that whatever happens, you alone will be deserving of that glory. So, Father, help us now as we prepare for the things that are in front of us and the things that we're going to do. Touch us tonight. Help us, Lord, to begin to move forward in a way that will honor you and will praise you and thank you for it. it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As most of you know, we have decided to do certain things. But I want to remind you in the very beginning that first and foremost, there are some things that we must never forget. There are two of them. I want to put them on the screen for you. Things we must never forget. As we get ready to begin to fulfill our dreams, as we begin to take steps in the fulfillment of those dreams, there are two things we must never forget. And the first one is this, that the building of the church is a sovereign work. That the building of the church is a sovereign work. That the building of the church is a divine work. Jesus said, I will build my church. I want you to understand something tonight. Churches just don't happen. And the building of a church, the growing of a church, just doesn't happen. It is a work of God. It is a sovereign work of God. It is a work that only God can get credit for. Man can't build the church. God must build the church. Can I get an amen right there? It is a divine work. It is a sovereign work. When it comes to the building of the church, and what Jesus is talking about was the building of the church of individuals such as me and you tonight, or you and me, and the building of that church. He said, I will build the church. Paul talked about some sowing and some watering, but he made the statement that it is God that gives the increase. You see, God is the builder of the church. He is the originator of the church. He is the designer of the church. He is the creator of the church. He is first and foremost the building of the church. So we got to remember this and never lose sight of the fact that anything that will happen around here, God alone will get the credit for it. 
And if anything goes on here, not a one of us can point to ourselves and say, I am the reason that it happened. It's not because of this. It's not because of that. But it's because of what God is doing. Because God is the builder of the church. So we can't ever forget that. God is critical to us. This is what this whole thing is about. It's God. Knowing God. Meeting God. Experiencing God. And when we miss that, then we have missed the most critical thing about church. That is, He is the builder of the church. But second of all, we must never forget that God, that the building of the church is not only a sovereign work, but the building of the church is a, a specific work. He said, upon this rock, I, that is, it's a divine work, will build my church. Now, I want to point out there, when he talked about the church, he's not talking about buildings. Jesus talking about people. You realize tonight, if you've been saved by the grace of God, you are a part of the church. Now, if you're a member of Temple Baptist, you're a part of a church. But if you're saved, you're a part of the church. Now, you may be a part of a church, but not be a member of the church. You've got to be saved to be a member of the church. Can I get an amen right there? Don't die on me tonight. Stay with me. And, but the church that Jesus is talking about is people. And we talked about it one night. People, 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 and more people. You see, there is a divine work, a sovereign work. He builds the church. But the building of the church is more than the building of buildings. It is more than the purchasing of property. It is more than programs. It is more than this. It is people. Jesus is in the business of getting people saved and bringing people unto himself. We must never forget that no matter what we are doing and what we get involved in, we must never forget He is the one that gets the glory for it. He is the one that will do it. And we must never forget that we are here for more than building buildings and we're here for more than starting ministries. We are here to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And if we lose sight of that, that He's the one that must do it, and we lose sight of the fact that we're here to reach people, then we are in trouble. And I submit unto you, and I say all that because it would be very easy for us, and we'll, it is easy and will be easy for us to lose sight of why we exist. And it will be very easy for us to lose sight and to lose focus on not only why we exist, but what we're to do and where we are to go. As a church, we must keep our eyes on the Lord, and we must keep our eyes on people. And when we look and lose that focus, that's the whole thing we're here for. Everything else is an outflow of that. Everything else is coming out of that. We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord, and we've got to keep our eyes on people no matter what we are doing. And if we get wrapped up in other things, well, we become more concerned with buildings, and we become more concerned with properties, and more concerned with expansion, and more than people, and glorifying God, then that's the day that God will take His hand off of us. Amen? When, when we lose sight of what we are here for, then God will take His hand off, We'll lose the touch of God. We'll lose the blessings of the Lord. So we've got to keep these things before us. But I want to I say all that to say this, that this divine work of building the church draws into its scope and realm many other factors. It is a sovereign work. He builds the church. It is a specific work. It's the matter of people. God uses us. We become his vessels. We become his instruments in the building of the church and reaching people. But the broader realm of that or brought into all of that are such things as programs. And brought into all of that are such things as ministries. 
and brought into all of that are such things as facilities. Now, ministries and programs and facilities are not an end in themselves, but they're a means to an end. The end is to glorify God and to be a vessel to reach people or to build the church. God is building His church. That's what this age is all about. That's what the age of grace is all about. God is calling the people unto Himself. God is building His church. He uses His people in the building of that church. And that's the end. But there are the means to attain that end. As far as our part in that work is concerned, our part here on the corner of 3200 Rossville Boulevard, our part in what God is doing, His sovereign work, His specific work of reaching people, there is our role in that. And there becomes there are many factors involved in, and is a means to reaching that end. We employ many means to glorify God. We employ many means to build the church or reach people for Jesus Christ. Again, programs and ministries and facilities are not an end in themselves, but they're a means to an end. So we must always remember this, that there is a reason for all that we're wanting to do. And we talked last week about why we feel that this is certain things we ought to do and why we need to do them. And, we're sitting, and again, it, 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 it amazes me. We're right here in the middle of July, and who, nobody, everybody says, nobody grows in July. But we're experiencing one of the most phenomenal Julys we've ever had and seeing it's a growth right, as we used to say in North Carolina, right slam in the middle of the summertime. Amen? That's Hebrew for in the midst of it anyway. But uh, we're seeing this happen. And there's a reason for all we're doing, the reason for uh, the beginning, beginning the TV ministry, the reason for building the new building. There's a reason for those things. We gave you some of those reasons last week. But again, to be very specific, they are solely and strictly for the purpose of what Jesus talked about. It is to help us to reach more people. It is to help us to enlarge our opportunities to reach more people and to get to more people and to expose ourselves to more people. That's what all of these things are about. And it's to help us to do more and not limit our abilities and not limit our opportunities to do more for God. Now, that's the reason we have made the decision to do all the things that we're going to do. That's the reason we made the decision that we, are, that we need to build a new auditorium and enlarge our facilities and to move to another level and take in Temple Baptist Church to another level. That's the reason for it. And I don't want you to ever forget that. And I'll remind you of, of it often, that anything that happens, and if we get it done, God alone will be the one that will do it. And second of all, it will be done in order that we might reach people for Jesus Christ. Amen? But here's the question, and I'll answer some of your questions in the process, not taking questions from you, but I will answer maybe some questions you might have. What will it take? We're talking about these plans, and these are big plans. We have taken steps. Last Sunday night, we decided to take a step that this church has never taken before. We're talking about going into areas that we have never talked about going before and doing things we've never dreamed about doing before, but yet we feel that God has brought us to this place and this is what the Lord is going to do for us and wanting to do. Well, what will it take? Three simple things. Write them down. Very, very, very simple. They're ABCs. One, it'll take prayer. Now, I've talked about prayer, and you say, well, Brother Ken, yeah, I know that. I want to remind you that is not a trivial matter. When we're talking about what we're about to do and what we're planning on doing and what we're going to try to do over the course of the next three years, I want to remind you tonight that prayer is not idle talk and prayer is not a trivial matter. It is fundamental to what we're talking about. 
Because again, prayer brings us in contact with God. I take you back to what I said at the very beginning. The building of the church is His work. And we've got to have Him in the middle of what we're doing. We've got to know Him. We've got to follow Him. We've got to hear Him. He's got to lead us. He's got to guide us. If it's going to be done, it'll be because He does it. And for that reason, prayer becomes the most important matter of our whole future. We have got to talk to God. We have got to seek God. We have got to call upon the Lord. We have to pray to seek His will. We need to know His will in every step. We need to know His mind in every plan. We need to know His mind in every little detail. Not that we do our thing, but that we do His thing. When, we gets down, when it gets down to the stage, when we begin talking about architectural drawings and things, where it's going to go and what's, what it's going to be like, we don't want to do just our own little thing. We want His will. And we have to pray to know His will. And we have to pray to see God work. Can I be honest with you? If we do it over the next three years and if we see it happen in the next three years, it'll be because God provides and meets our needs or otherwise it won't come to pass. We have got to pray. Can I encourage you tonight to pray daily? The people in the prayer room, in the prayer ministry in the upper room, those who come by here day after day and different hours of the day and night, they have had it on their prayer book back there for a number of weeks. They had an ideal about where we were going long before anybody else. They had been praying about these things for weeks. Can I encourage you that every day of your life, the things that we're doing and the direction we're going, that you pray for them every day. Every time you pray, pray for these things. Encourage my heart this morning on top of the Lord's Day, top of the Lord's Day when our teachers and officers pray. By the way, teachers, every Sunday school teacher is supposed to be here at 920 on Sunday morning. Every deacon is supposed to be here at 920 on Sunday morning. Every officer is supposed to be here at 920 on Sunday morning. Uh, that was a free advertisement. Amen? That's what top of the Lord's day is about, teachers and officers praying. Everybody, 920, uh, all, all the officers. Are. But encourage me this morning. I slipped that in there. You know, how, you know how I have a way of slipping things in. But I encouraged me this morning. I called on Brother Bobby to lead us in prayer. And in his prayer, he praised the Lord and thanked the Lord and prayed about our new sanctuary. That encouraged me. That blessed my heart. Pray daily for these matters. And pray earnestly for these matters. Again, you say, Brother Ken, I know all about that, but I want to know how you're going to finance it and whatever like that. Listen to me. The most important thing that I can talk about in our future is prayer. It is the key to where we go. Don't make it a trivial matter. It is an essential matter. Therefore, pray as you've never prayed before. It'll take prayer. Are you with me? Say amen. Pray for it every day. There's a second thing that will be involved. And second of all, not only will it take prayer, but it'll take patience. And I say patience, not just to give you another P or a word that starts with P. I, want, I just want to encourage you, but at the same time encourage you not to get discouraged. We're all pumped and we're all excited about where we're going and what we're going to do. But I want you to understand, we are taking a step, a huge step, a large step, and it will not happen overnight. Now, but it, my, my nature is I'm not a stoplight Christian. I'm a green light Christian. I mean, I'm ready to go. 426, hear me. That's the kind of fellow I am. I'm ready to go and get going. I don't like to wait. 
When I want something done, I want it done yesterday. That's just the way I am. I hate to wait. I am not a very patient fellow. I'm very patient at home. But I am, you know, my wife testified that. But I like to go. I want to get things done. I work over here and things are going on. I'll get out of my office. I'll get back there and work. i got to run over here and see how much more they got. I just, I like to see things going and whatever like that. But. We're talking about something on a scale that we've never known before. And I want to encourage you not to get discouraged because what we're going to do is not going to be realized overnight. We have entered into a door that will lead to a very lengthy path. As I said this morning, if we were starting tonight and we had $2.5 million in the bank tonight, and we were starting tonight, or we went to the bank tomorrow and borrowed two and a half million dollars, and we're able and ready to do that. If we started tonight, it would be at least two years before we'd occupy the facility that we're talking about building. We're talking about getting ready for it and the process and the whole nine yards. There's the process of uh, getting, learning all that is necessary in order to determine where the building will go. And then there's the process of designing the building and, and the architectural drawings of the building. And that is many months in itself. And then there's the process of getting permits to do all of this. And that's several months in itself. I mean, if we were starting tonight, it would probably, had the money tonight, it'd probably be a year, maybe a year and a half before we'd ever break ground on the thing. And then it's at least an 8 to 12 month building project. Not just a couple of months. We're talking about a superstructure coming up when we talk about what we're doing. So it is a very lengthy process. So I don't want you to lose heart. It will not happen next month. It will not happen next year. But what we're doing is getting ready so that it can happen. That's what we're doing. So all I want you to do is wait on the Lord and let Him work according to His time and follow Him. But it's going to require patience. Patience. But there's a third thing it's going to require. Not only will it require prayer, and not only there's two things that we got we're thinking about, and two things we've got to look at. Number one, what we will build. Three things really, what we will build. Two, where we will build. And three, when we will build. Those three things are very, very important to us. What we will build, where we will build, and when we will build. Now, let me tell you what we're doing just to let you know the direction we're going in and how we're doing it. We, have had, we met this week, and actually we are hiring a company out of Charlotte, North Carolina that's going to be a part of us in the whole process called Kogan Industries. Kogan Industries, all they do is build churches. And all they do is work with churches. This is a professional company. Uh, we met with uh, one of the representatives, a couple of the representatives on Thursday night. I spent several hours with them Thursday afternoon, had dinner with them. Then all the men met with them on Thursday night. And I'm sure if I brought every man up here, they'd testify how impressed they were and whatever there. But we are hiring this company to come in. As I say, they specialize in, in churches, helping churches to realize their goals, learning about our ministries, where we want to go, what we're going to do, and then helping us to get to the place that we can actually accomplish what we're doing. So it's a construction company, it is a designing company, but it's much more than that. What they will do and where they will, what we'll be doing over the next six, probably four to six months as the Kogan Industries will be coming in here, and one of the first things they'll be doing for us is a financial feasibility study. 
And they're going to be going through our finances. And what they're going to be doing is they're going to find out, look at our finances. They will know what we can do and what we can't do. And in the first stage, in the first part they're here, they will say, this is the kind of building that you're going to build. This is what this building is going to cost you. This is where you have to be. This is where you are now. This is where you have to get to in order to build this building. They will also help us to determine the additional expense to go and the maintenance of the kind of building we're going to build, how much more it's going to take for us when it comes to electrical and all that kind of thing. It's more than somebody just coming in and designing as a building and building it. We're going to know we're ready to build before we ever start building. And so that's why we're hiring a company that specializes in churches. And so they'll be coming in doing a financial feasibility. They'll say to us, this is where you are now. This is where you got to get to before you can ever start this. And this is what you'll have to do. This is the way that you can do it and whatever. That's the first thing we want to know. We want to do it right. We want to know where we're at and we want to know how we can do it and what have we got to get to and where we got to get to in order to do it. That's, that don't make sense, don't it? Amen? So we're not going to just jump in this thing blindly and take off and end up in a mess. No, we're going to be ready. It'll be God's time in when we do it. And they will also, in the first stage, there's two stages really. The first stage is where they help us draw, come up with a master plan. Stage two is when we actually enter into a contract with them to draw the building and to build the building. But the first stage is just getting ready to build. That's all the first stage is about. And that's the only contract we will have with them is stage one, where they, one, do help us determine our financial feasibility, where we're at, and what we will need to do. Are we ready now, or do we need to get here? That's what they'll do. And then they'll help us to look and see what we need. What we can build, what is best for us, such as when we met and talked the other day, we talked about all kinds of possibilities. How, is it, how will it best work? What kind of auditorium do you need? How will it tie into the other buildings? How will it all function? How will it affect your nurseries? Will your nurseries need to be here? Will you need to do this? Everything where it functions. It's more than, we don't, we don't do more than just put a building up on a piece of property. We want something that works. That's what we're here for. Everything we're doing now, all of our new changes and everything is for the purpose of function, moving people quicker from one place to the other, having this and having that. For example, he walked through our facilities the other night, one of the representatives, and he went out to dinner and he said, Pastor Trivet, he said, there are three things. And he said, I'm sure you know these. It's very obvious as I walk through your buildings you know these. But in church growth, there are three things critical to church growth. Number one is parking. Number two is the seating capacity of the auditorium. He said it's a proven fact that when people walk in the building and it looks full and they have to look for a seat that it will discourage them from coming. That goes into that 80% rule that we talked about last week. And number three is nurseries. He said, those three things are critical to church growth in our generation. But he said, I can tell by listening to you and what you're doing that you know these things and you're working on these things. And I said, yes, we know them, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. But anyway, we looked at, we looked at all these things. What they will do is to help us to determine where to put the building, how it will best be for us, whether it should go here, whether it should go here, go here, go there. So it all ties in together, and it works for us. And then they'll help us determine what to build. I can assure you one thing. We're not going to build a Taj Mahal, but we're not building a shed either. Say amen right there. I believe in glorifying God. But that's what they'll be here for the next six months for. Helping us to know when we can build and helping us know what they build. And they will build as a master plan. They're going to say, what do you want to do now? 
What do you want to do five years down the road? What do you want to do ten years down the road? And then they're going to create a master plan for us. They'll come in here. They'll learn about all the codes in Chattanooga, about all of our properties and different things, gas lines, sewer lines, and all these kind of things. So when they draw us a master plan, they know they can build the structure that they are proposing to be built. They know all of that. They've got all that hammered out. So when they give us a master plan, we know we can do it. So that's what the whole first stage of this thing is about. That's where we're doing but when we built, when we built, and I said all that because I, w- I wanted you to know that we're not just doing whatever we think. We're getting professional help so that everything we do will work. Amen? And I know that encourages, but when we build, it depends on several things. And I want to be very honest with you tonight. It'll depend on several things. It'll depend on us getting to the place that we can afford to build. Because we have been used through the years of 300,000. Or I, that's probably the most the church, has, that's the biggest loan the church probably ever had in its history, except maybe this auditorium. And I don't know exactly what you got, got barred back in those days in 1971, 1972. I'd say somewhere in that neighborhood. But we're talking about different things now. We're not talking about hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. We're talking about millions of dollars. We're in a different ball game now. We're in the big leagues now. Would, that, would you not agree with me there? And one when we build will depend on one when we get, when we are at a certain place to build. And we're not, we've made up our mind that we're not just going to start building for the sake of building. Even though we could use the building today. I mean, the best thing ever happened is God drop a building out of heaven on our property. That'd be the best thing that ever happened. It'd be an answer to prayer, wouldn't it? I mean, if he can make a new heaven and earth come down one day, surely God, you can just give us a building. That'd be great. That'd be an answer to prayer. It'd meet so many needs right now, and and we wouldn't have to worry all these things. But uh, right now, he hadn't told me he's going to do that. So we have to approach it from another life. I get peace. He's going to give us, drop us a building down. I'll let you know about it so you don't park your cars where he's going to drop it. I'll let you know that. But we have to get to the place, one, we're not going to build until we know we can build. I want to assure you of that. So when we build will be determined by when we're able to build. We will not even try. We won't even start. Because we know that, one, we have got to get to a certain place. Our offerings have to come up some. We know that. We have an idea uh, where we have to be before it ever happens. Offerings are good, but they've got to come up more. And there's got to be, we've already said this is what we got to get to the place when we are able to put aside this amount every week, then we know we're ready to do it. And our, one of our goals is to raise as much money as we can. Our, we hope to raise at least a half a million dollars. We're going to raise as much as we can. But we're not going to do it until we're able to do it. And that's one of the things this company is going to help us to do. They'll help us to know where we're at, where we've got to get to and whatever. So, but I want you to know that. So when we build, it will be determined on when we are ready to build. So that means a lot of things. I talked about this morning, and I know, listen to me, that the last thing you want to hear a preacher talk about is giving. But I want you to understand something tonight. One, I want you to look at me. I don't, I don't ever blush when I talk to you about giving. I don't bat my eyes when I talk to you about giving because one, I think giving is one of the most spiritual things I never get you to do. 
I'm talking about, I'm serious. I'm talking about, I believe if I can teach you to give the way God wants you to give, it'd be one of the life-changing factors in your life. So don't bother me. Jesus talked more about money than in heaven and hell. And if it's that important to Jesus, then I feel very good about it. I think he'll take up for me. Amen? So I don't blush when I talk about giving or whatever there. But uh, I know a lot don't like to hear about it. But I want you to understand something. If, you don't want to be, if you're ever going to be in a church where they're going forward and doing something, you're always going to hear about giving. You're always going to hear about giving. The only way you'll ever go to church and escape somebody talking about giving is to go somewhere where nothing is going on. Because where anything's going on, they're going to talk about money. Because it takes money to do what a church needs to do. And the more a church does, the more money that it takes. And so a pastor has to talk about, one, to teach you that you might grow spiritually, two, in order to meet the needs of what everybody would want to do and seek to do. So there's a lot of things we've got to do. We're going to raise everything we can. But I'm going to be very honest with you tonight and what's going to have to happen in order us to reach those goals. Be very, I'm going to be dead honest with you tonight. And what we're going to have to do is that everybody is going to have to, have to do their part. And when I mean their part, I mean simply, let me, let me back up and rephrase that. If we, the sooner we can do it, how soon we'll do it will be dependent upon whether we get to certain levels financially and we're doing so and so every week and monthly and whatever there. And that will depend on you obeying God in your giving. Now, if this church is like the average church in this country, and this is from studies and, and things that have been done, and I'm sure that it is. If this church is like the average church in the United States of America, then there is a large portion of this church that does not tithe. That's not a condemnation of you. That's a fact that is true about churches everywhere you go. That a big portion of churches do not tithe. I believe this. I really believe this. And I think our chest of Joash is, a, is one factor, one expression of what I'm about to say. The chest of Joash is a thrilling service. And it's a service that enables us to raise thousands of dollars a week. But you know one thing about the chest of Joash we find on that day? Is that there are several large gifts that are given. $500 and occasionally there's $1,000. But the majority of the giving in the chest of Joash is $25, $50, and things like that. Not big gifts. We never had anybody drop in $5,000, $10,000, or anything like that. It's usually $25, $50, and dollars $150,000. And it gets and it really thins out when it comes into the $500,000. And I'm talking about probably you can count them on one hand, that size of gifts that comes in on the chest of Joash. You want that says to us? The chest of Joash is a way where everybody gives. And when everybody gives, it shows what could be coming in on a weekly basis around here. Are you listening to me? It shows that, the, that many do not give or do not tithe. Because really what boils down when you look at the amounts that come in the chest of Joash, it looks like regular tithes. But what happens is everybody is giving on that particular day. And what that tells me is that everybody in this church, if everybody gave weekly or everybody gave every other week if you receive your salary 
twice a week or monthly, according to how you receive yourself, that if everybody gave, and everybody gave every week, and everybody gave every Sunday, and at least tithe their income, our offerings would be more than we would need to do what we do, want to do. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? I'm sorry, it must have hurt you. That's good, Brother Trivet. I like it. You're right, Brother Trivet. Amen. Nobody else will do it. I will. Amen. But it tells us what we could be doing if everybody would do it. Now, you want to do it. I believe you're excited about doing it. Then this is what we're going to have to do, and this is what's going to have to happen. Everybody is going to have to give. I'm not talking about just big hunks of money here because the majority of us don't have big hunks of money to give. Bob McCoy is the only one I know I've got any money, and he won't give it, so we can't depend on him. <laughs> Majority in this room, we're just ordinary people. So we don't have a million dollars to give. Or, uh, the majority couldn't give $100 on the average Sunday. And I understand that. But, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing. Uh, when everybody gives, it's amazing what would happen every Sunday. And if we're going to do this, how quickly we get into it, how quickly we're able to do it, will depend on everybody just doing, first of all, what you're supposed to do. And that's obey God. And I believe this. I've said it before and said it again. I believe that God expects me to give 10% of everything I make. God expects me to give 10% of everything I make. And God expects me to give that 10% because it's not mine to keep. 10% belongs to God. Now, if, if you don't like that, then God could have flipped it the other way around, required 90 and left you 10. But all he asks is 10%. Why? Well, let me ask you this. You're breathing, aren't you? You're living, aren't you? Who gave you life? Who enabled you to live? You say, well, I earned my own living. Who gave you the ability to earn a living? Why do you think you're even here? I'll tell you why. It's God. You at least owe God 10% just for rent on God's life that he's given you. Amen? And I believe this, that I am to give 10% to God every week. Now, I don't know about that. That's, that's at least that much. I'm not going to give 10%. I'm not even going to dare give that less or any less than that. I'm going to give much more than that. But at least that, that belongs to God. That's His. And you ought to do it because it's what you ought to do. You say, I can't make it. You will be surprised if you'll give at least 10% to God, how much more you can do with 90% than you did with 100%. Because you mark this down, you say, well, I hadn't been able to tithe, and everything is happening. Maybe God's getting his 10% out of the ways. You mark this down. You hold out on God, he will get his portion. And all your problems in this breaking down, and that, it may be God getting what you should have given to him. But he gets his part. But you give him that. And we need everybody to obey God. And I believe this. If everybody in this church started just tithing, started just tithing, then we would be ready to start today. We would be ready to start today. Now, what we're going to do, if, I mean, if it, if, if whatever it is, we're going we're to set aside a period of time and we're going to watch it every month. 
So then when we go to a bank, we say, this is what we've been doing for this past 12 months. We know we can do it. We have done this 12 months. We've put this aside every 12 months, and we know we can do it. That's the way we're looking at it, and that's the way we're going to approach it because we're going to know we can do it before we ever start it. We won't sign a second contract to build until we know that we can do it. So I want you to know that. So how soon we get into it depends on what we do. So I'm asking you to do this. Just, I'm just asking you to obey God, give to God. If you'll do this and tithe every week, we'll be able to do it. Then there's other things that they do. And I know I'm about to lose you now on this giving, but I'm about through. Cheer up. Amen? Not only just tithe, and everybody give every week. Tithe, just take your check and say, I'm going to give 10% to God every week. I really, I said it before, if everybody in this church just gave 10% a week, we would be ready to do it today because we're doing good. This church has been doing wonderful. That's how we've been able to do all the things we've been doing. And we have put hundreds of thousands of dollars a year uh, into buildings and repairing and maintaining things. And you walk through it and you all have to agree we've come a long way over the past seven, eight, nine years. And that's because we've been channeling everything we had into things and taking care of it. We believe God's buildings ought to be look right. They ought to be treated right. They ought to, and we're looking at things, how we can do better. And, and growth just doesn't happen. It's a lot of factors that goes into it. But tithe. But not only that, but to pray about what you can do over and above your tithe. A gift given to the Lord, giving to the building program. Think about what can I do over the next 12 months? What can I do over the next two years? You ought to go home and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How much would you like me to give to this building program over the next 12 months or over the next 24 months? Lord, do you want me to give $1,000? Do you want me to strive to give $10,000? Lord, do you want me to try to give $20,000 over the next two years? Lord, what do you want me to do? Look at it. How can I do it? If I give this much every week, I'll be able to give this much to God over two, over two years. Or I'll be able to give, if I give this much a month, over and above my tithe, directly to the building program, then I'll be able to give this much to God. That's what I'm doing. And I jumped my giving to the building program up today. I've always given more than 10%. And I don't tell you what I give just for the sake of telling you what I give because I want you to know I'm not asking you to do anything that I won't do myself. But I give close to 25% of my income every week to this church. And I gave a tenth to the building program of my income just today. I want to do it. I'm excited about it. And if I have to pay for it myself, I'm going to do it. Say amen. <laughs> now I need help. It's going to take us a lot longer. I mean, we won't, listen, I'll pay for it if I have to. It may take us 30 years to get there, but we'll do it. But I'm just saying, everybody do what you can, and I know God will do it. I'm just talking about taking big steps and big sacrifices. I am excited. I'm going to tell you something. I sat down up here this morning. We got to singing, and I saw all this. Our first service in it. Boy, my heart just beat. We got an idea about what we're going to do. It's the same's been suggested. But I could see ourselves. I could see our first Sunday in it. <laughs> Say, you dreaming. Let me dream on. Bless the Lord. Let me dream on. 
And I could see it, and it blessed my heart. And I get excited. I get down the road all this week. There have been times I could visualize us worshiping at the new sanctuary and looking around. So we'll look around the balcony that flows around, and it full, and looking down over here and seeing the building full. It blessed my heart, stirred my heart, thrilled my heart. I get excited about it. And it'll take a whole lot. But that's what we're doing, and that's what it'll take. So, folks, you want to do it. We ask everybody to help us do it. Let's stand to our feet. Are you ready to do it? Amen. You done voted to do it, and I'm not going to let you out on the vote. Amen. I'm not an Indian giver. I'm not going to let you do it. But I know you're excited about it. All we say and all I'm asking you to do is to do everything you can in the weeks to come. Uh, next Sunday is double our ties Sunday, double ties Sunday. Phil Sunday, we'll be doing those and be going into the building fund. And we'll, get it, we'll go in, we'll find out what we've got in the building fund. We uh, took everything that we have in the building fund. We're freezing that, putting over it into the new building and be channeling the money in it. We'll find out what those figures are so that you'll know week after week after week and as we go up and uh, trying to reach that. But do everything you can next Sunday. Double your tithe. Do that. And then tithe every week and give what you can and do that. And I know we'll be amazed at how quickly we can do it. Instead of having to wait a year to start the next stage, the more and the quicker we do what has to be done, the quicker we'll be able to start stage two. All stage one is about is determining when we can do it and what we're going to do. That's what the first stage will be. That'll be about a four or six month period. And as soon as we have plans, a master plan, and an idea of where we're going, we'll show that to you. You're going to know all the way. But the next stage is when we actually begin to draw the building and begin to prepare for the construction. That's all going to depend on when we can do it. And so I'm just telling you, it looks big, but it's not as big as it may appear and can be done much quicker if everybody, everybody just done their part. Amen? And I'm excited about it. I want to do it as quickly as we can, quickly as we can. I've been trying to think all week long who my relatives are thinking, is anybody that's going to leave me a million dollars or anything like this? And I, I even, I listen, don't tell nobody this, but I even was tempted to buy a lottery ticket the other day. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I told some, I've, I've never bought one. I told, told someone the other day, I said, I have never bought one because if I did, I'd win it and I'd have to explain it. And so I would have never done it. That's, that's, that would be my luck. If I ever bought one, I would win it. It'd be flashed all over TV. We're trying to find Reverend Ken Trivet. He's won $2 million. So it'd run me, so I've never done it. But, uh, but God is going to do it. Let's believe God and trust God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to go. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for where you're taking us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given the church the faith to believe you. And you've helped us, Lord, to see the need. Thank you for a group of people that just doesn't want to maintain, but they want to go forward. And they don't want to limit themselves, but they want to expand their opportunities and their possibilities. I thank you for that. Father, we thank you for what you're doing for us now. Lord, we don't know how we're going to handle things in the days to come. 
But I know you're going to help us to know what we need to do and how to do it. Father, we at a point now that we don't have parking, though we're going to be adding that in a few weeks, a couple of months, as soon as we know what to do and what is the best for us. And this auditorium is just about filled. In fact, almost capacity on Sunday mornings, even Sunday nights, it reaches close to the 80% they talk about. We don't know how we're going to handle what is going on in the days to come, but I know you're going to show us what to do and how to do it and, and how not to hinder ourselves or limit ourselves until our dream becomes a reality. So, Father, we know we've got a long road ahead of us, but we ask you, Lord, just to keep us trusting you and looking forward to that day. And that day when we walk in, that dedication Sunday when we move into our new sanctuary, that new facility, it'll be worth every dime that has been given. It'll be worth every hour that has been spent. It'll be worth every sacrifice that has been made. And when we get to heaven and we see what God has done and, the, and, and expanding our opportunities to win more people to God, when we get to heaven, it will really be worth it. And we thank you for it. So bless us, Lord. Lead us and guide us. Direct us and we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.